today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The other big story yesterday, of course, was uh, Michael Cohen, uh, the uh, fixer uh, for Donald Trump, his own per- former right, or now personal lawyer, the guy that said he'd take a bullet for Trump, uh, kind of changed his mind on that, uh, sentenced to three years yesterday in a uh, court in New York City uh, and says that loyalty was what led him to cover up uh, Trump's dirty deeds. And uh, also, by the way, the National Enquirer is implicated in this, and we're going to get into that in a couple of seconds. Joining us in studio to talk about this is our good friend Laura Babcock, president of Power Group Communications. i, I got to know. I know you. I've known you for years. <laughs> you, you didn't leave the front of the TV yesterday, did you? I couldn't. You know, some days I'm working from home, and when those days happen, and there happens to be incredible news <laughs> coming from England and coming from the U.S. and Canada, everywhere else, uh, it's a good day to just have the TV on in the background the whole day. And what was so interesting yesterday, Yesterday is that even as people were trying to digest the sentencing of Michael Cohen, the when the AMI story came out and pretty much backed up everything that Cohen had said about those hush money payments, that's really significant. And the, the best way that I could frame it after watching all of the news yesterday was that Individually, you can look at any of these individual charges or these individual bits of testimony or these deals and say, well, I can counter that or I could argue that away. But it's the cumulative effect of it, right? It's Each of these people who are doing these deals against Trump that are rolling over on Trump are all corroborating each other. They're backing each other's stories up, whether they're fully participating witnesses, whether they're partially participating, whether they're being kind of, you know, uh, they, the, the government has something on them and they have to come forward and tell the truth. Whatever's going on and whatever degree it's going on, Bill, the walls are closing in on Trump and his organization. And something else that I found fascinating is that in the past, if somebody came out and said something definitively that was um, negative about Trump, automatically you'd hear about threats of lawsuits and defamation suits, and that was always the go-to, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, bully yeah. back thing. Well, not only has he lost the guy who did that for him, Michael Cohen, and David Pecker, the head of the Inquirer who did the you know the catch and kill stories to get rid of stuff for him, but I've heard people who know him who are high profile on major shows saying that Trump's organization is a criminal enterprise and that it is is based on laundering Russian funds. And there's been no pushback on that. And I've heard it multiple times. And so obviously, I don't have firsthand knowledge of that. But the fact that that's not being countered, not even in tweets, just goes to show you that this is getting really serious for the Trump organization. They're running out of ways to shut this down. Well, there's another red line that has been crossed. And that was, of course, the family finances, at which he said mm-hmm. that was it. That's, that's a no-go zone. Well, they're doing that. And they've been doing it for months. And he hasn't done anything about it, nor has he said anything about it. Yeah, I, and he- I'm not not suggesting he, this guy's giving up because that's not what Trump does. No, but how many fights can you fight at once? I mean, how many battles can you be engaged in at all the same time, right? It's coming at him from so many different places. So you have the Southern District of New York, which Trump cannot influence pardons on, right? Because it's the state. And they're pretty tough, as we've seen, even with the sentencing recommendations on Cohen, because they said he wasn't fully telling them what they needed. You've got the Mueller investigation, which we've also seen has been extremely productive for a special counsel's presentation or, or investigation. Uh, and there, it seems like stuff from that is coming up faster and faster now that we've had the midterms. And then you've got even today in the Washington court uh, in D.C., this this Russian um, 
this woman who was influencing and, and working through the NRA on behalf of, of Russia. I mean, that's coming up. We don't even know what her guilty plea entails other than a conspiracy charge. So how do you possibly fight all of this on all sides? And I think what was even maybe more damaging to Trump from a public narrative point of view was the fact that he couldn't get his choice for chief of staff. That happened in the middle of all this. So as people are looking at all of these different stories and they're saying, okay, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. But the fact that someone wouldn't take that job, arguably the second most powerful job in Washington, uh, someone who was ambitious and had been courted for it and who had seemed to want it for a long time, Nick Ayers, the fact that he didn't take it, uh, I think sent a message to Trump land and to soft supporters of Trump, which there are, that way Wait a second. He can't even get a good chief of staff. This guy might be going down. Well, I mean, let's, who in their right mind is going to take that job right now? But I, that's and, the point. Given I mean, the history yeah. of, of who's right. been there since Trump has been in power, which is not that long, uh, I mean, how many people has he gone through as chief of staff? You first of all know that, uh, that it, there's a finite amount of time you're going to be there. Secondly, you're probably going to be asked to, to obstruct justice because that's what they do in that administration. So you, you better get a good lawyer if you get right. the job. So, I mean, you know. The cost's incredibly high, which is why I, there was Newt Gingrich apparently was in the White House last night or the reports that he might be possibly. He's the kind of guy who would know all that and just enjoy the fight. But can you imagine what would happen <laughs> if Newt Gingrich was chief of staff? I mean, so we're out of point now where things are getting laughable as as people who are observing it from just the spectacle point of view, but from the point of view of how many narratives Trump has got to combat and how many things are coming at him. And the best tweet storm he came out with this morning, the best he could come up with, was this whole thing that he was doing things on advice of counsel. But his story has been shifting. First, he knew nothing of these hush money payments. And then, you know, and then he, it was this thing of, well, my lawyer did it. And then it was, listen to my lawyer. And then it was, okay, well, my lawyer's a liar. And then it was, okay, well, if we did it, then I didn't know it was illegal because it was advice of counsel. And he's supposed to know this, why I paid him. And then it was like, well, even if it was wrong, it's civil. I mean, there's so, he's putting out so many arguments uh, that in public relations, that looks like someone who's like literally in quicksand, right? Flailing their arms and making it worse on themselves. The other element to, to consider here is, is Cohen's going to jail based on the convictions, uh, as you mentioned, in the Southern District of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't even know what he said to Mueller. Right. That, there has been no repercussions from that. And I found it very instructive, Laura, that uh, that the Mueller people actually said, look, at be lenient on this guy because he's been a, a treasure trove of information. But the the, the prosecutors in, in New York were saying, no, he's he's holding back on us. That's why he got the three years. So yeah. so clearly there's a mixed message there, which, in other words, he sang like a canary, obviously, to Mueller, but he wouldn't do it in New York. About and, things that had to do with Russia and the campaign, apparently, yeah. presumably with Mueller, and that was helpful, just like Flynn. They recommended no prison time for Flynn because he sang like a canary right out of the gate. But with the Southern District of New York, I guess to get uh, a recommendation of full immunity, you've got to say everything bad that you've done and everyone you know since the day you were born. And so it's reported that Michael Cohen in that context said, okay, I'll take the hit, I'll do some jail time, but if I do the full thing asking for leniency fully, I'm going to have to possibly implicate members of his family or friends, and he just wasn't willing to go there. Now, if a year in prison within that time frame, if he decides that he really wants to say more uh, and perhaps get a reduced sentence, then that's an opportunity that he has in front of him. So he was being a little bit cagey because the Southern District of New York has different rules than the Mueller uh, probe does. And, yeah. and that's what's made it so complicated, I think, for people to watch all of this. Let's talk about David Pecker for a second. Uh, he, of course, uh, f- well, from the National Enquirer and the parent organization, uh, international media. 
Uh, that They've been implicated for some time. We've known about that relationship. Pecker and, and Trump are very good friends and have been for the longest time. But the, the, the revelation, I think, that raised a lot of eyebrows, though, Laura, was this safe yes. of, of dirty information about Donald Trump that they've been saving and not printing. In other words, they, it's, it's not as if they were blackmailing him. I don't think they were anyway, but they were trying to protect him. And they admitted that in their statement yesterday. Well, it's so fascinating. And the that payment they, of- they also said, well, so they corroborated the fact that that payment to that hush money payment was in fact about the election, which is what Cohen has said, which makes false that which makes Trump's claims that it had nothing to do with it. It was a private matter to protect his family. Well, if he really cared about it, he would have paid that off years before, right? It was done around the Access Hollywood tape time. It was done when it was a critical narrative in the election about his relationship with women and his level of decency. And so it was a it was a catch and kill. It was a payoff. It was everything they could do. And and so Pecker has admitted to that. And so has Michael Cohen. So you know, unlike the John Edwards defense. There's actual witnesses. There's actual corroborating witnesses who are part of this thing, right? So not only have they done that, but they've also said as part of their immunity at um, the Inquirer that they are going to continue to cooperate. And they have a safe, a literal physical safe full of Trump dirt. Uh, And so if ongoing cooperation means, you know, you've got to give us what we need, I would be a little bit concerned if I were Trump. David Pecker, uh, and nor anybody else for that matter, Laura, sings like this unless the prosecutors have something on them. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so clearly, I don't know if they have. The, I don't know if they have that safe. I, we we don't know at this stage, but something motivated them to all of a sudden say, okay, I'll come clean. I'll come clean. Well, apparently, uh, one report this morning was that Pecker sort of had a freak out when the idea was to reimburse them for the payoff they made to, I believe, McDougal. Uh, and he said, no, this whole thing stinks. We shouldn't have done it. It's a mistake. So I think that they knew that they were tripping over a line back during the campaign when this was happening. Uh, and so the fact that the Southern the Southern District of New York was coming at them and saying, listen, you were part of this this illegal attempt to uh, influence the election. It's a corporate donation. If you're paying $150,000 as a corporate entity to a candidate kind of off the books, it's, you know, they had them. Uh, And so do they have them on more? Who knows? But they've got immunity based on further cooperation. And there's a safe that is, (laughs) that's full of stuff. So this is not conspiracy talk. This is what was in the court filings. It's interesting that the way the discussion evolved uh, through the course of the day yesterday, and of course, there's a revelation about the National Enquirer as well. Uh, all of a sudden, to not so much about Cohen, but about what are the next steps. Uh, a lot of speculation about who may be charged, including the president, with uh, mm-hmm. with felony mm-hmm. activity, uh, which leads to the question, can a sitting president be charged under those circumstances? Uh, and and uh, we know that the Department of Justice has guidelines. Those are not mm-hmm. rules. Those are not laws. Yeah. So this is this is going to go to court. Well, what's really interesting here is Adam Schiff, who's the coming in as the head of the Intel Committee uh, in in January. He's a Democrat, of course, and he said that 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 policy. Uh, position saying you can't indict a sitting president is based on the idea that the executive branch would fall apart and you would lose one of the three branches of government and the ability for checks and balances. So it's a pragmatic uh, decision to say, you know, you can't do it to a president while they're in office. But then there is the counterbalancing uh, consideration, and I'm obviously not a lawyer, but the consideration is that no one is above the law. So if you follow that policy out and you stick to it and Trump gets re-election, then the statute of limitations on these crimes runs out. And so he gets away scot-free by virtue of being in the highest office in the land. And that is against the constitutional value of no one is above the law. So the argument there has very strong, there's a very strong argument that a policy cannot beat that constitutional value, right? Uh, And it may end up in the courts. 
one of the uh, lawyers that was actually the ethics lawyer for George W. Bush came out last night and said the only real option Trump has is to resign and do a deal on all of these things. Uh, and in that case, it, you know, it would it would not be what he wants to do, but it would be the way to avoid the maximum legal jeopardy that might be coming at him. If he is right now considered an unindicted co-conspirator, because uh, they're deciding not to indict him while he's in office, if he loses in two years and walks out the door uh, and they indict him for all of these crimes, uh, he could be in real jeopardy. If he wins again, that's where the argument of who's above the law. And I must say one other thing. A, a woman, a lawyer named Felicia is coming in. Uh, she's been elected and she's coming in to run the Southern District of New York. And she said that she's going to do wide-ranging probes on all of Trump's family business, on all of his colleagues. So. Uh, this is this legal jeopardy for him is only getting greater, not lessened. And so that technically he might be able to beat it on a couple of those different things we just mentioned, but it's getting pretty bad. Well, the concern here, I think that a lot of folks that are looking for some sense of justice here, is if this does go through the courts and ultimately to the Supreme Court, uh, obviously his beer-loving newest appointee, mm-hmm. Kavanaugh, is, is going to be a, a, at least one vote, maybe the deciding vote, to simply say, no, you can't do this. And so that would apply to um, getting him out of office legally, like indicting him yeah. while he's a sitting president. But it has nothing to do with the Southern District of New York and the lawsuits that may plague him for the rest of his life and then his children's lives. I mean, so the federal question is one. The the fact that by being president, he's opened himself up to all this scrutiny in New York with Michael Cohen and the, and the campaign. I mean, I, I can't help but think that the Trump circles are saying, why did we ever run for president? This has exposed all of us to so much potential legal liability. Uh, there's also the question of impeachment, right? Is there going to be a point where there will be sufficient senators, uh, Republicans in the Senate who might follow through with impeachment? It depends. Right now they're saying uh, campaign laws, no big deal, no big deal. Uh, but what, what what happens when Moore's added or when we hear testimony from this Russian person or when Mueller comes out? Is there a point where they see him as being too much of a political liability for their own survival that they turn on him? We've already seen his closest allies turn on him. These senators aren't aren't lovers of Trump. They just signed on to this Faustian bargain. And I know they talk about support. And, and it, in the population, I mean, the, the red-hatted people are still they're at 39 to 40 percent. They're not going anywhere. They don't mm-hmm. care what he does. They just love the guy for whatever. Sure. Uh, but it's the Senate that you really have to wonder about. And, and again, I hate, and people don't like to go back to Watergate analogies, but the tipping point there in, in those hearings uh, it was when the Republicans on that committee, uh, Howard Baker, Lowell Weicker, and others, simply said, "Enough is enough." With the, mm-hmm. the, this is and the, the, the revelation of the tapes, uh, Rosemary Woods and Ray Rising yes. tapes, etc., seemed to be a tipping point. They said, "You know what? This this uh, this stinks." Well, it's uh, we're, that, we're not there yet. It's that famous line where Nixon apparently asked, uh, "What are my votes look like?" And they said, "Mr. President, you don't have ours." Right? This kind of kind of crushing sense of isolation away from that he'd done too much and gone too far. There are some tapes in this whole Trump thing, the, the conversation between Cohen and him around the, the hush payments, the tape on the plane where he said he had nothing to do with, knew nothing of any of this. Um, it has shown him to be a liar on these questions. Now, is lying a high crime and misdemeanor? No, politicians probably aren't going to see that. Is campaign finance? No, they're probably all afraid that if theirs were scrutinized, they'd have some issues as well. Uh, is having these illicit affairs on your family? No, because we've seen lots of Washington politicians get caught on that kind of thing. Is it going to be the cumulative effect and the potential political fallout for them uh, that is going to make the decision 
I think so, yes. I don't think that there's that same sense of decency that would have a president like Nixon say, okay, I'll, I'll bow out, or the decency to say, you know what, you don't have our vote because you've been doing something illegal. I think it's going to come down to raw political calculation, to tribalism, and they're going to decide, hey, uh, we can't survive and we can't get reelected. There's too much here. We've got to bail on this guy. I think that's probably the, going to be the calculus. Laura Babcock, president of Power Group. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in today. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.